0: Hey everyone, it's Jonathan Regan here with uh, Lexon Kirksey and Aaron Bozeman once again. Um, we have some great, great stories for you today. I, uh, you know, I tried to find a Spider-Man story to toss in here so I'd have my three greatest loves of cinema: Spider-Man, Harry Potter, and Star Wars. But I failed in that. There's no new Spider-Man news today. But uh, before we get into all this, we'll uh, once again find out what everyone's drinking here. So, Bozeman, what do you, what do you got for us?
1: Uh, I'm enjoying a Pilsner Urkel from uh, Pilsen in Czechia. used to be Czech Republic. They're now known as Czechia, for those of you who don't know. Um, And it's quite delicious. Uh, It's the original Pilsners, how they kind of market themselves, and I can see why. It's very delicious.
0: Yeah, I am definitely one of those people that did not know that the the Czech Republic changed their name, so thank you for that info. You're welcome. I do do (laughs) most days get most of my new political and current event news from you nowadays, so... Not a surprise. Not a yeah. bad source. Um so Alexa, what do you what are you drinking today?
2: I had a little hodgepodge of stuff going on. I had a bunch of uh beers left over from past episodes and drinks, so <laughs> I decided to uh, knock some of those out because I had limited fridge space, so I I'm down to <laughs> my favorite all of a brewing company. <laughs> I'm down to some, uh, what was it, 206 IPAs. I have a couple of those left, and I have a little bit of wine left, so I'm just going to be uh, switching off throughout the episode, having a real good uh, fun time with it, you know? I like See that. I like that cleaning house, you know? Yeah. it's a good. Sometimes way to it's do it. good to do that, you know? I have to make space for, no, for new beer to come into my life.
0: <laughs> I like that, you know? You're moving things aside so you can continue on and discover new, delicious beers. Um, yeah, I finally got around to getting a new... Uh, a new beer I've never had before. Um, so I think that's a first for the show. But I found a, a nice Golden Road, which is uh, a brewery right by right by me, actually. Um, it's over in uh, Glendale, which I live I live right kind of close by to. But it's a ride-on IPA. It's got a nice oh. little woman with a surfboard on there. Classic right on. California. Um, yeah, but it's very tasty. You know? Tastes very sunny, is I think what they're going for. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah you can taste the all sun. right so uh yeah you know and that's always a good thing they're golden road little symbols like uh, sun behind a bunch of palm trees so i think i think that's what they're going for who knows um so we'll move along here into our into our stories we got oh we got some exciting ones so this first one uh actually came out like right after we recorded last week's episode so we didn't get to touch on it Um, But Jon Favreau was hired to produce and write a new live-action Star Wars TV show uh, for Disney for their streaming service, uh, which premieres, their streaming service comes out slated for fall of 2019, um, and this is supposed to be one of the first shows on there, so it's supposed to come out with the release of that streaming service, um, but... Very exciting! It's the first uh, official announcement we've had of live-action Star Wars TV. Um, back and back before the Disney days, George Lucas had a plan for a live-action TV show and wrote apparently like uh, at least a hundred episodes worth of scripts, is what was rolling around out there. Um, I don't know if they'll—I don't know if they'll utilize any of those. Most likely not because Disney's kind of started from scratch. But um, yeah, uh, Bozeman, what do you think about Favreau being the guy to spearhead this? new T V show.
1: Uh very excited. I think it's a very creative choice. I think he's being well rewarded for his various working for Marvel and Disney in the past. Um I think he's a very talented and creative guy. I'm excited to see what kind of humor he brings to it. Um but also he can I think produce some pretty serious moments too. So uh yeah I love it. Like I couldn't <clears throat> I wouldn't really necessarily think I mean, there's people that I might have preferred, but like being realistic of people who have interacted with Disney and Marvel and the sort of people that they would trust to make this material, i'm I'm perfectly happy with it.
0: yeah, uh, yeah, you know he sure. he's like uh, on one hand, I want to say he's he's kind of like the the safe choice, but I think that kind of does him a disservice um, for how talented he is. I mean essentially he he launched the the MCU. Um, the Marvel movies with Iron Man one, which was such, such a success. And I've recently been going back through all the old Marvel movies and Iron Man one is just still to this day, like such a good, uh, such a good film. Um, mm-hmm. and obviously mm-hmm. he did jungle book for Disney and he's been working on Lion King. So he's very set in the, the Disney family. Um, I actually expected them to give him Obi-Wan, uh, back in the day, but there's uh, a different director's rumored for that. But, um. No, I think this is awesome. I think he's super, super talented. I think he's a great yeah. writer. Uh, I'm very excited to see what he does. He's also, to me, it seems like he's open to um, collaboration with other uh, artists and other uh, creative people out there. So I think uh, my big hope is he works side by side with Dave Filoni, who, um, if you don't know, does the animated show's creator of Clone Wars and Rebels. Um who just really, really gets Star Wars. So if those two are working together to come up with these stories, it could go it could go in a million directions,
2: and they'll all probably be great. What do you oh, think, yeah. Lexon? You know, <clears throat> your point that he's a safe choice, and I agree, but he's, like, one just hell of a safe choice. Looking at some of the movies he's done, like, I'm a, as you said, Jonathan, I'm a fan of, like, the original Iron Man that he did and some of the other films, and, like, I love, love his work. And I'm happy to see that he's doing it. Like, he's not the most he, like risk-taker in terms of storyline, but he does seem to care for the source material, and he does make good quality stuff regardless, whatever it is, like the range of stuff that he's been involved with. So I think that was a good choice. I'm excited to see what he does. I'm really yeah. excited to see what they choose to be this, this show, because I, I like to see what if he's going to, you know, because he has done kind of different takes on movies and stuff, so I wanted to see, like, how do we try to do this with a movie, a uh, TV show?
0: Yeah, it'll be, uh, it'll be really interesting to see the timeline they choose in the characters. Um, just looking at like the way Marvel handles, uh, TV versus film, you know, Kevin Feige is like very, very invested mm-hmm. in the, in the cinematic universe, obviously, but he kind of lets the, you know, like Netflix shows and television side of things do their own thing. Um, Right. which on one hand I think is really cool because it allows, like, you know, Daredevil, Jessica Jones, uh, the Punisher, obviously, to be a lot darker and brutal than the, the movies, which I hope the show for Star Wars can reach into also and take maybe do some, like, darker themes and storylines. Um, but at the same time, I do want it to connect more with the movies. I, it's fine to me for Marvel, but I would like a little more connection from everything in the Star Wars universe, you know? Like... I'm waiting for some more connections from Star Wars Rebels to hit the movies, whether it's characters or just story beats or something. Um, so I hope they they can connect it a little bit more. But I do think I do think Favreau's the guy to just uh, really start this thing off. And like, and he's not going to be directing every episode or writing every episode. Obviously, I mean, I think he's kind of just he's going to become like the Kathleen Kennedy of the TV universe for Star Wars. So he'll just kind of be kicking it off and uh making sure everything runs smoothly um
2: yeah
0: and i think he's a great choice for that uh where Alexon, where do you think they'd be heading story-wise what would be what would be your first guess on on what they'll be covering
2: Ooh, that's a good question honestly like my first thought would, would be coruscant i think a coruscant mm-hmm. base show just because It's just the center of the galaxy, you know, so much stuff happens a huge populace and it's like, you know, a a planet that's like an entire city that's with thousands upon thousands of its levels. So every time I think of a a Star Wars TV show, I I just go to Coruscant. I think, you know, if you want, like you're talking about, they could do like a more gritty show and that's a perfect environment, at least to start.
0: Yeah, because they can obviously yeah. always branch out. I mean, that was my first thought too, because uh, that's apparently where George Lucas's live-action show was going to be primarily based. Was, uh, right. Like, like the every time a show it's always
2: in Coruscant.
0: Yeah, and they have and they have Star Wars thirteen thirteen the game that got uh, canceled uh, before the Disney purchase. Um, so there was a there's a lot of stories already developed out there that that did go to those like underlevels of Coruscant which they can mm-hmm. draw from, and there's obviously books and everything. So, like, there's so much that they haven't explored there. Um, so yeah. that was my first thought, too. Um, and then, obviously, whatever characters they introduce, it could branch off. You know, season two, three, could they could widen the scope a bit. Um,
2: yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah. Because it what, gives what you, what you that connectivity those, to the Star Wars universe, and also it's also ambiguous. That doesn't have to necessarily, you know, you don't have to have, like, major characters involved in this show you know but yeah you can like reference yeah. the jedi the jedi temple and stuff you don't actually have to see master you know it's like it's one of those environments that's really easy to do that type of stuff
0: oh yeah i mean uh like a first show especially i mean yeah especially coruscant is so big um and you know there's a book there's a book before this was before the disney purchase about one of the uh one of the jedis that escaped order 66 and he was actually kind of living out in coruscant in the underlevels As just kind of like a a mercenary type guy, so like they have that to draw from too, which would be interesting. Because I do think a Jedi, maybe not a Jedi, but a Force user will be involved at Star Wars. Um, Yeah. I don't think they would make their first live action TV show without one of the one of like the staple aspects of Star Wars. I think down the road they can have plenty of shows that don't involve Force users. There's so much in the galaxy, Star Wars galaxy for that. Um, But I think this one will. Uh, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of under the impression it'll stick around uh, the timeline of the original trilogy still, whether it's between three and four, or after right after six. But I don't think they'll take their first live action show and branch it away from the original trilogy just yet, especially since everything they've been doing has revolved around the original trilogy. Right. Um, uh- so but my best guess will be between three and four. And I would, also, I would also guess on Coruscant, but location uh, is more up in the air. I think timeline-wise, probably probably the rise of the Empire. Yeah, um, that's a favorite Bosman, time period. Bozeman, what, what are your thoughts on this? Any, any hypothesis on, on where they're headed? Yeah, definitely. I mean, <clears throat> I
1: think we have our own ideas about Coruscant and what a rich well of material that is. Um, I don't think we've ever really seen Black Sun on screen enough um mm-hmm. which was such a huge part of the legends universe um i could also go for like a rise of jabba kind of thing i could do um you know obviously we haven't done much of anything before the prequels and anything that's canon so there's twenty thousand some years of history to go through there so yeah obviously i mean there's so much to do and I think, like you said, though, keeping it relatively familiar and in that time frame, maybe, you know, Rise of the Empire would be a pretty good idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can, it can go anywhere, and I'm just, I'm really excited for it. I've wanted a live-action Star Wars TV show for a very long time, and I'm just glad to see that it's written in stone and on paper now.
0: Yeah, this, this is honestly, like, almost just as exciting as, like, Episode 7 announcement was, because... I mean, yeah, I was like after episode three, that's all I, all I wanted as TV started to become more like high quality, like programming, like HBO shows started taking off. All I wanted was Star Wars TV. And then there was the rumor of George Lucas working on some, and I was just anxiously waiting for that for years and years and years. Never happened. Um, Then once Disney bought it, like you knew it was a certainty, you knew a TV show was coming. And it, it, actually, it actually took them longer than I expected to announce one. Um, I would have thought they'd want to hit the ground running with uh, some live-action TV. But it's coming, and it's coming next year. It's not even going to be that long of a wait. If it's coming with their, their streaming program, then it is uh, next fall. So, very exciting. And I can't wait to start getting some more news about it. Um, I'd love, I hope they don't keep it a secret too long, like where it's going to take place. They don't have to give us like plot details, but just a night, a timeline would be, would be awesome. Um, so I'm sure we'll learn more at either uh, the D23 celebration or San Diego Comic Con. So Whew, let's see. Let's see. I'm going to try to go to San Diego Comic Con this year. See if that works out.
2: You're right there. So close
0: i know it's a nice quick drive uh though even if i go to comic con i think getting into the the disney um hall is a lot more difficult to pull off or more expensive i'm not sure how it works really so just let let them know you're a member of the press member of the press i that's yeah i don't is that a good thing or a bad thing i don't know you know, at thing. the uh, at the advanced screenings they give out around here, they ask you if you or any family member or relative is a member of the press. And if they are, they they just don't allow you in. Kick you, <laughs> kick you right out.
1: Damn. Yeah.
0: Right on out. I say I'm not, even though, like, I work for a news organization, but it's, it's you know, it's investing. I'm not, I don't think that applies, so I'm not going to tell them. Right. You know, get away with it. Hey, Who are they um, anyway? Right. So uh once again I've plugged this a couple times here but still it's getting delayed but uh we will discuss this news story of John Favres TV show in much more depth on our grand admiral's table episode. Um we'll get we'll record that one of these days. It's tough traveling this we'll, weekend we'll get so to it. um so uh, next up on our list here, we got another Disney property which is making waves in the uh, the industry. And Black Panther has crossed the one billion dollars box office um, in less than Wakanda. A month, I don't. It's a. It's an incredible, incredible feat. Uh, yes. I don't. I don't know how exactly how many days it was, but it was obviously less than a month. It was twenty-something days. Um, I think it's like
2: twenty-six. It 25 26
0: yeah somewhere around there um so really incredible i mean people weren't even sure if it was going to cross a billion ever and it's i mean it's clearly going to keep going up it just it just premiered in china i think last weekend to um something like 65 million 66 million uh so it's now it is now today as of today it is the 20th highest grossing movie of all time worldwide um, I believe we saw that it was the fifth best superhero. Uh, both Avengers, Civil War, and Iron Man 3 are ahead of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like, we have a Black Panther segment every week, but that's because every weekend it, it, it continues to outperform what people think. It's, it's really incredible. Um, Kevin Feige obviously recently confirmed that Black Panther 2 is coming even though we all knew that but um, it's really become a kind of its own phenomenon you know in the in the film world what what do you think Bozeman
1: Oh yeah I mean it's it's definitely a big time it's one that is going to be looked back upon I think favorably I, uh, initially when I saw it I had a little bit of a fear that it wouldn't that a lot of what was great about it was the cultural hype around it but i actually do think that i think as some of that fades and we actually get to enjoy the film for what it is and have these repeated viewings and hopefully a good sequel and we have you know more and more of black panther as a character and we can kind of see it fleshed out even more fully and you know whatever his role in infinity wars might be like I, I really do think it's going to stand the test of time and be one of the really big highlights of the MCU project um, mm-hmm. that, that stands up there with Winter Soldier and Iron Man 2 and, you know, some, or, yeah, I guess, Iron, whichever, Iron whatever Man, Iron, Man's Iron, Iron Man 2 your too. favorite. That's yeah. for sure. <laughs> Iron Man 3. Um, you know, which, whichever ones are your favorites. Um, obviously... The the financial success aside, I think it it really is legitimately one of the better films that have come out of the genre. So,
2: yeah, it's you know it's been
1: it's been a great ride. Like I I remember from the sort of beginnings of hearing about it, from seeing T'Challa as a character for the first time. You know, as we edged closer and closer to this being a reality, and all the people that were involved with it, and Ryan Coogler and. You know, having it come to fruition, I, I mean, I don't really think anybody could have guessed that it would be as successful and mainstream as it is. That obviously everybody knew that it had an audience and that it was designed for a certain audience and it absolutely fulfilled the expectations of that audience, but that it, I think, took off and became a real legitimate mainstream mega hit that that's that's a very pleasant surprise and I think it does have a lot of implications for future projects
0: mm-hmm yeah absolutely Alexa.
2: yeah <clears throat> I, I agree a lot with Bozeman just said i I do think this film will definitely stand out test of time is after a while a couple of years you look out look at it outside of it the cultural context when it's at the film I think it will still be seen as one of Marvel's is like bigger hits and best films. Just the level this is the level world building that they do and the character development and the characters they bring to the film. I think they did a this spectacular job and I'm really happy to see that the movie's doing so financially well and that they will start investing more in like the Black Panthers characters. I feel like they have a lot more they could bring out. I hope they don't overcompensate and like, you know, flood it with them and then, you know, you get sick and the quality goes down. But I don't think they would do that. I think Marvel has a good grip on the characters and I'm really excited to see how they take this moving forward and will they be more adventurous in some of these characters they bring to film. As they said, like, you know, a couple years ago you would said a Black Panther movie will make over a billion dollars worldwide. Like you, you wouldn't believe that. I wouldn't even think that, you know, a couple years in early phase two. But like now that they have this, I, I want to see Marvel get more adventurous in the type of films they go after. And I and I would like to see just like more films like this come out. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's interesting
0: you mentioned, like, uh, over oversaturating with either his character or all these characters. Um, uh, because my first thought, and I don't think it'll necessarily be over because I think Marvel knows how to handle this, but I do think the biggest takeaway from this is going to be um, Black Panther becoming more prominent in future Marvel movies. Um, mm-hmm. Like I'm sure up through Avengers, uh, Infinity War, Part Two, is pretty much written, and I think actually I think they're done filming Part Two already. I I I believe they filmed them back to back with the first one, Um, but I think after that, like Phase Four, I think he's gonna become probably like the Tony Stark, the Iron Man of that phase, where he's kind of like going in and out of all these different Marvel movies. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know if that was originally the plan, but I think that's absolutely probably going to be the plan now because they're just seeing how universally loved this character is uh so it'll be interesting to see how they utilize him i mean like because in in these past few phases i mean tony stark iron man has clearly been a major major part of of civil war uh he was a a main character in spider-man homecoming like he's just kind of made his way in and out of every single marvel movie in some way shape or form um, right and i i see black panther doing the same thing like without a doubt um they've already said like spider-man homecoming uh, well spider-man 2 i doubt it'll be homecoming too uh but they've already said that's gonna strongly feature another marvel hero just like the first one had iron man um mm-hmm. i don't necessarily think it'll be black panther but i wouldn't be surprised like if that was yeah. who it was um Story wise, I don't know how they make that work necessarily. That's an interesting team up to me. Uh, I don't really see those two uh, (laughs) meshing well together, but I think if they choose to do that, it'll be creative and it'll be an interesting take. Um, Well, yeah, well, maybe T'Challa comes to help out the hood there in New York. I just, uh, you know, I'm just trying to picture like that Tom Holland, Peter Parker teaming up with T'Challa. And it's just it's an interesting pairing, to say the least, which could actually be a really, really cool way to do it. Um, it, Spiders uh, also have a huge significance
1: in African folklore and mythology. So that could be an interesting angle.
0: There we go. I mean, because, yeah, Yeah. I mean, uh, Spider-Man and and Tony were kind of it was awesome. I love Homecoming, but it was very, you know, simple, like he's always looked up to Tony. They're both tech guys. They're both geniuses. So it made a lot of sense. So doing an actual, like, where they're very, very different would be an awesome way to do the sequel. Um, yeah. Again, I don't, I don't necessarily know if that's the route they're going, but I do think Black Panther will be heavily integrated into Phase 4. I think he'll be the new, um, or even the new Captain America where, like, Civil War was utilized as essentially a new Avengers movie. But it was mm-hmm. a Captain America movie. Like Black Panther two or three could be like a spin-off Avengers movie, but it's a Black Panther movie. He could be kind of the focal point. Um because That's an he, he's got point. Yeah, he's gotten he's gotten every audience. I mean he, he, clearly right. everyone is taking to the this movie, not just the, the black uh community or any or anything like that. Like everyone's watching it. Everyone loves it. Uh so he's kind of the perfect character to take over the the realm here because uh if rumors are to be believed Robert Downey Jr and Chris Evans are both done after Infinity War Part 2
2: so that's a be good very... point because I remember reading previous like years ago before like they had that deal with Sony that when they were first about to introduce Black Panther that he was supposed to be a central role kind of moving forward and then after the Sony deal happened, like after civil, that going to civil war, they kind of rewrote it to have more emphasis on Spider-Man because, you know, he has that big part in the comic storyline and of that civil war storyline. He's like a focal point, right? The mm-hmm. major superhero. So it would be interesting to see if like, you know, with the success that like you were saying, well, Disney maybe rewrite Black Panther in as a more crucial role, probably go back to the original plan of like having a lot of the storylines kind of centered around him because they have like, they go to Wakanda in uh, Avengers Four, so like they might just continue that trend. before for like having him be a major focal point, and having him cross over and show up in a lot of different movies.
0: Mhm. Yeah,
2: I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Marvel's gonna.
0: They've got huge changes coming, obviously for Phase Four. So um, I'm sure they're gonna grasp on to what whatever they think is working and will continue to work. So we will it's all exciting certainly stuff. see. I'm sure we'll learn we'll learn a little a tidbit more with infinity war this year see how things start to shake up but uh probably probably still be a little in the dark until infinity war part two next year so we'll find out um so uh so moving along here we got uh south by Southwest film festival just uh wrapped up in the last couple days uh but we got some early looks at a couple, couple different movies here. We're gonna, we're gonna pinpoint two that we've, we've talked about in previous episodes and been excited for. Uh, but we got reviews for starting off. We got some for a Quiet Place uh, with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, and it is uh, apparently incredible. Uh, it's, it's sitting at a hundred percent on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Apparently, it's very, very scary and very, very good. Um, so i know we were talking about this previously with a uh, with one of the trailers and we were all pretty excited for it but i mean i'm just getting more and more hype for this movie it uh, it's sounding like it is just a really really well done horror movie with a really cool concept and i could not be more excited
1: yeah, I'm kind of just proud for Jim, you know, just uh, as a, <laughs> as a big office fan. Yeah, I'm just I'm really glad to see this doing so well. I I have all I've been excited for it since I first
0: saw the trailer. I love A24. I love the mood. This one this one's not A24. This one was uh This one was Paramount. Well, anyway, it's
1: I think it certainly borrows from that. I
0: think the last time we talked about it, we talked about um
1: uh what was the one we saw uh uh it comes
0: at night yeah it comes at night i think there's a little bit of that
1: uh the uh i i'll say this more so than a24 i think there has been a sort of family horror genre that Mm. has kind of come and gone and i think it's been sort of rediscovered in a a different and creative way lately um Mm. with some of the films that a24 has made if you look at the the witch and it comes at night so I think this is in that vein. I think it takes those concepts a little bit farther. The uh, teaser trailer, whatever you want to talk to about that I've seen recently, I think it fleshes out a little bit more of how the circumstances kind of came to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's exciting. I'm very, very, very excited for this film. And I think it's, regardless of what other people think about it, ultimately, um, I think I'm going to love it. And I think it's definitely going to become one of those... Uh, I won't say cult classic, but I think it definitely has that potential to be one of those things where there's a certain group of people that see it and love it and treasure it for, you know, many years to come.
0: Yeah. You know, I think, uh, going on, going on what you're saying, I think it has been kind of, I, maybe, I think a 24 has been a big, big part of this, but not, you know, a hundred percent. Um, but there's been a, there's definitely been a shift in horror movies in the past couple years. Um, I mean, for one, there's been numerous every year that are critically acclaimed and loved by people, which for horror doesn't happen often. I mean, for the longest time, like a good horror movie was such a surprise because most of them are really, really shitty. Um, yeah. So, I mean, in the past couple years, just off the top of my head, like we had It Comes at Night last year, It was a, a obviously incredible. Um, Don't Breathe the year before that. It Follows kind of started a lot of this as well. It Follows was an early one for these weirder ones. Um, In the witch obviously so it's kind of shifting to those more strange and um uh i don't know the the term but it's um
1: unsettling
0: unsettling yes uh, that's the term i'm looking for
1: atmospheric Uh, i think is another good word that's that that has that's what has kind of turned to and i think uh that get that gets back to the word horror versus terror, right? A horror film is about expecting and anticipating what's going to happen and being mm-hmm. dreadfully afraid of that, feeling fear from that sensation. Uh, terror is what I think of when I think of a classic slasher movie. You kind of know what you're dealing with and it's terrifying, but it's not horrifying. And if you want to go yeah. back to what horror horror movies are supposed to be, at their core, that that's that's what a horror movie is. It has to. It has to fill you with dread and anticipation and like what Hitchcock always said, what what I can make you believe and fear and think about in your head as an audience member is always a lot scarier than what I can show you on the screen. And I think yeah, some films yeah. definitely take that a little bit too far and you don't get a satisfying payoff, you know. Um, I think It Comes at Night is certainly guilty of that. But that sort of foreboding atmospheric dread um, I think that, that went out of horror movies for a very long time and I'm very happy to see it coming back. And I think that 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 is the key to what hasn't allowed
0: a lot of the critical success that
1: the horror genre has had in the past five, ten years.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Alexan, what do you what do you make of all this?
2: Yeah, that's the point. I, to piggyback a lot what you guys have said. I had similar co- connections to It Comes That Night when I was reading reviews. I was reading the variety review of the movie and they were talking about how they didn't like how the movie didn't like create anything like a bigger story or narrative outside of what was just happening and i got a similar feeling to it comes in like how like you were you just got the story you know you just got the perspective of the people nothing else about the bigger picture or like the universe is like that story and i think that's what's happening a lot of horror stories now then like you you that you got into the trope of like you you kind of didn't like the characters because they're oh they're stupid because you but you know more information than they do but now you see horror movies like they just give you what the characters in the movie know you know you, you know very little so like a lot of things that happen are like new and unknown things rather than you know you're expecting like the stereotype you know slasher killer you know hiding in the woods or something oh don't go there he's hiding there you're stupid you know that's really going out the window some of these films I think that a quiet place is that type of film like you just see it from the perspective of the people. In the movie and no other context so it makes it just that more like the atmosphere is that much more terrifying because you don't know what's coming you don't know what's out there and you're just you have to start lack of information and like everything you do you don't know what's going to happen it kind of takes you that story i think that's really revitalizing that horror that whole horror genre as as is, you know it's becoming like you guys said a lot better Yeah, man, uh, that's
0: actually a really good point. Like, kind of limiting the audience uh, perspective of these things. Which I know uh, some of the complaints. I mean, most most people really liked it comes at night. But some of the big complaints were definitely like, well, they didn't explain anything. You know, you never actually saw what the issue was outside of there. But that was what I loved about that movie. Was it was just like you're with this family, like you're experiencing the same crazy ass shit they are, and you don't know anything about it. And, um, yeah, I agree with you. I think that's actually a really cool way to do horror. And that does seem to be the root. Because The Witch is similar. Um, right. You know, a lot of this shit's just like, <laughs> you don't know what's like, what going, the on. Fuck <laughs> is going on. Like, it's, it's right. very shocking. <laughs> um, uh, so it come it, uh, or, uh, A Quiet Place does, at least based on the trailers, does look in that fashion. Um, it, is obviously very different that's a more traditional horror movie but that's that's good in for different reasons um right but yeah i'm i'm excited man i uh i do think this will actually be i think this will be great for horror movies in general because in the genre because i think the fact that it's a john krasinski directed and starring movie is gonna give it a big bump like, I think this is going to be a lot more watched than something like It Comes at Night or The Witch were, which were both pretty, pretty like cult classics, if you will. Um, not a lot of people saw those movies. I know The Witch was really popular in certain circles, but like, the people I talk to, like casual film fans, have not seen The Witch. Um, oh, no. Right, yeah. So, no, you're not or It Comes at Night. Like, nobody I know has seen It Comes at Night except like you guys, which I, I went to the theaters with you, Bozeman, to see this. Um, but I think this one will have a little more mass appeal. They've been marketing it a little stronger. Yeah. Um, they they've got Paramount's marketing team behind it, which is a little Ugh. more extensive than A twenty four. But um, not. And but
1: not too much. I have to say. No, not to, not too much. Not too much. I ha- but uh, I have to I have to interject quickly uh, because I've been catching up on Rebels on uh, Disney XD. I've mm-hmm. had to watch I've had to watch the Pacific Grim two trailer at least
0: <laughs> two thousand times in the past couple <laughs> days i can't take it anymore oh boy yeah luckily i never watched rebels with the with commercials nothing
1: Um, nothing is gonna nothing is gonna save pacific Rim 2 it's uh, the people the people who are going to watch it are
0: going to watch it period i i don't understand i'm gonna be one of i'm gonna be one of those people yeah yeah Yeah. me too
1: yeah but but you know like i said it's not i don't think that you're gonna get it's it's such a purpose-built film I think everyone who who watched the first one's probably going to watch the second one just because you like that sort of thing. I don't I don't understand this big massive marketing put. I think it's a waste of money. I think you have your audience for a movie like that, but you know whatever. We're getting off track. Sorry. A little off track.
0: Uh, I do still want to shoehorn in real quick that uh, I think the marketing is entirely for John Boyega, which they think they'll get the Star Wars crowd now too. Right. Um, but. Uh, uh yeah i don't i don't remember where it was but i do oh i do think this uh a quiet place will be a little more just a little more mass appeal it'll it'll do pretty well in the box office oh yeah shit and it it doesn't have to do it doesn't have to do super well because it's it's a relatively low budget horror movie so if it just does enough which i i think it'll do i think it could uh do a lot of good things for the horror genre as a whole um and on to our second uh South by Southwest reviews, we have Ready Player One, which I believe we were talking about last week, actually, um, with all yeah. these uh, release date changes and, and general excitement for Ready Player One. Uh, but reviews coming out are really, really good. I mean, the general consensus, its at, right now it's at uh, like 78 on Rotten Tomatoes, but the general consensus is that it's extremely entertaining and just a lot, a lot of fun. Uh, people are saying Spielberg got back to his, his olden days of making like Jurassic Park and Indiana Jones and just these fun blockbusters, um, which is what I want from this movie. I mean, that's what else can you expect from virtual reality that's filled with 80s and 90s references? Um, right. So I'm super excited. I mean, even some of the bad re- I read through a lot of the reviews that came out, like the actual reviews, not just like the Twitter responses, which can be a little misleading. Um but even some of the, the bad ones, they all still kind of say the same thing where it's like, yeah, it's really entertaining. It's not it's not a masterpiece. It's not this flawless movie. It's like, that's not what you want in this movie. You want a very entertaining blockbuster movie. That's what it's for. Um, so it's it seems like it hits it hits all the right spots and it's uh, going to be a really, really fun time. So uh, I think these, I think this response is actually going to really help the box office on it a lot. Um, but we'll find out, or maybe that'll help the second week if if it does release and word of mouth keeps up. But uh, what do you guys think?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm, I mean I'm about the same. I don't think I have the same connection to the source material that you do, but I, I'm I am excited to see it. Um, the first trailer i saw i don't think i said this when we first talked about it but i was a little concerned that it had a little bit of a valerian thing going on that it was just a little bit too Mm -hmm. cartoonish and animated and special effectsy um there wasn't enough realness to anchor it you know emotionally um but you know those those sorts of reviews do encourage me um if there is still some of that spielbergian Emotional connection and magic and wonderlust in it, then uh, I think that's what can carry it through and and I think deliver on that entertaining, um, you know, an enjoyable two hours, two and a half, what you know, however long it is, time at the movies, um, which is pretty much what you're looking for, right? I mean, I think, I think Spielberg's films are rightly so elevated um, to this masterpiece judgment, but you look at the the big three or four Jaws, um, E. T., Jurassic Park, like those they are masterpieces. They're very well made, but they're also not two thousand and one a space odyssey, right? They are mm-hmm. they were always entertainment first. They were always the magic of movies first. And I think if this film is able to express a shred of that, then obviously it'll be it'll be a good time and worth seeing.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Yeah i agree on, this, yeah yeah <laughs> looking at the reviews it seemed like like you said jonathan it hits those those block, blockbuster tropes it seems that it has it's it's really big on the 80s and like 90s the kind of nostalgia so i think that will be it's big or sort of like selling point to it that is, it did that really well you look at like how strange things how like captured that like kind of essence of the eighties and that's one of the one the it became popular I kind of see the same thing happening for this movie how it has so much callbacks like probably so many things that you know a lot of the i guess the core audience is are going after is their childhood so I think it would do well in that respect i I don't have too much like a tie into like the source material but i it looks interesting I, the more I see the trailers the more into it i've gotten the first trailer I saw I wasn't too impressed but i didn't know so much about the movie but reading about it i began to like it more and i i think it would do well i think it would be i do well the blockbuster and i think you know looking at the ron Tomatoes, i think it would still like have a, a modestly high score overall ratings rating yeah yeah i mean i i think
0: uh i think i think it'll do well in its first weekend but I do think it'll it'll have a great second weekend in terms of drop off because I think it's just gonna be one of those movies. I've read the book, um, and I, I love the book, but it's a very simple, just pure entertainment. I mean, he just drops like '80s references constantly. Like sometimes it will be like a page straight of just nonstop '80s references. It's not like the g- greatest writing out there, um, but it's mm. fun. And based on these reviews, I mean, I was a little concerned based on a couple of the trailers. I I was excited for it, but I didn't think the trailers were the greatest. Um, but based on these reviews, like it seems like he took that and uh, and just made a really really fun, really fun like action packed movie. And I I think people are gonna I think people are gonna really respond to it. I mean, Spielberg hasn't done a movie like this in a really long time. I'd say yeah. his last like. Big budget blockbuster fun movie was Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of Crystal Skull, which was horrible. Not um, fun. No, you don't not talk fun. about
2: that movie, Jonathan. What do you? How yeah, do I know you know when I when I was bring that movie before up the me.
0: episode, I was trying to think of his last like big blockbuster, and I that skipped my mind. And then I like looked up, <laughs> rightfully like, oh. so. I was like, oh shit, he did make the last Indiana Jones. Um, but I, I, yeah, I think people will respond to this. I think it's going to be a really really fun movie, and I think if people like. Go, because I, I do think people were turned off by the trailers a bit. Um, so I think after the first weekend, if people start talking and saying like, "Yeah, that was actually a really really fun movie," Uh second weekend won't be too bad. Which they need because then, after the second weekend, then Rampage comes out, which The Rock takes over the box office. So uh, he they'll, sure they'll need does. a strong first two weeks. Uh But I'm very excited. I I'd love to see some just classic Spielberg. The best part, too, is, like, a lot of these references, and especially since they changed things for the movie, most of the references are old Spielberg movies. I mean, the man dominated the 80s and 90s, so... It's a lot of his old um, his his references so it's very easy that's for That's a very to interesting down. point. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I saw a wow. T-Rex in the trailer. <laughs> yeah, there's the Jurassic Park stuff. I Jeez. he I yeah. think in the book in the book actually which also in the movie obviously he dri- he drives a DeLorean. It's like he buys a DeLorean for himself. So like I mean it's so easy for Spielberg. He he's that was his time period. That was his era so he can fill it up with those references. Um and that alone is going to be so fun. I mean, seeing some of those old references, like the Iron Giants in the trailer at one point running around. Um, at least in the book, you get like Godzilla at one point. Like it's just filled with fun. It's just going to be a good time. So, I'm excited.
2: I think people will like it. I think it's. Uh, I think it's going to do well. To watch these days. Um all right, well, well we'll be we'll be quick then,
0: but uh I, I watched <laughs> the first episode. Um I really I really liked it. Uh a buddy of ours actually talked to us about it and he's seen a couple now um who's liking it. It's uh starting off at least it's a little slower paced than the first season. Um but there you know Jessica Jessica's such a great character that I think uh individual seasons for her are are just prone to be really good because she's one of the more interesting solo characters to really delve into her mind. She's got a lot more issues than some of these other characters. Um, You know, like Luke Cage is kind of always like do good kind of guy. He's had his struggles, but he's not the most interesting to delve into. Um, But it seems like they're, they're going at the right the right uh, approach here with dealing with some of her PTSD from Killgrave. Um, and uh, the story for this season is very clearly kind of figuring out the company that experimented on her and maybe gave her her powers. Um, so I think it's a good... It looks like it's taken the right approach. It's only been one episode, so we'll see how it pans out. But it's it started strong with
2: its first one, I thought. So excited to watch more. Um, yeah, I, I really need to... Could- looking uh, to catch up on those shows. But what I've seen, I like read so far and I've seen, it's been pretty positive. You know, they, they seem, people seem to be pretty receptive for season two, so I'm excited to see what they do moving forward with her. Yeah, I, I, mean, I see, like, the f- main thing for her, her, like, mass appeal was the villain in season one, so I like to see without having Kilgrave in it what they do. Oh, they might bring her back. I don't know. I don't know think about season two. I'm purposely keeping away from any possible spoilers for that for that season but i want to see how how they you know i guess focus more on jessica or like how they do deal with the absence of like that great villain for the season
0: yeah and that was always that was always going to be a problem moving forward i was a little concerned with the second season of jessica jones because Kilgrave was just the greatest villain um right but uh you know, other other than Kilgrave in season one, my favorite parts were delving into like Jessica Jones, like PTSD and all that, and um, so it seems like they're doing more of that, which is great. Uh, reviews have pretty much said uh, that it is it's good, but it's a slower pace. Uh, which I'm okay with. I, I don't think Jessica Jones should be like this action packed fast paced Like she's not an action hero. She's a, she's a private yeah. investigator. Like that's kind of her point. It's like a, it's like a noir type show, which based on the first episode, at least it looks like that's the, the angle they're going for. Like a little more noir, a little more detective work, um, uh, which I'm okay with mm-hmm. because she's not daredevil. She's not going out into the streets every night, kicking ass. Like she's not a superhero right. in that sense. Um, so I seen I've seen critical reviews saying the same thing like well it's a little too slow paced there's not a lot of not a lot of action it's like I don't want Jessica Jones getting in fight scenes. I actually hated the fight scenes in the first season. Like I'd rather it not be that way. Yeah, agreed. Um so I actually like that that's the the angle they're going. Um so I'm very very excited to see more of this season for sure. Um yeah. So uh yeah, not a lot of TV these days. Kind of on a slump for for television. Uh But uh moving on here, we got another casting for Quentin uh Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and Margot Robbie is uh it's not set in stone, but she's finalizing her deal for playing Sharon Tate in that film. Uh this was rumored for a long time. But uh, still very exciting. I mean, now it's got Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt, and Margot Robbie. I mean, he is filling up this cast. She's perfect for Sharon Tate. Um, but unfortunately, we're probably gonna see her brutally murdered in it, based on well, history. So you know,
1: not unfortunately,
0: maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it'll probably it'll probably be well done and fun fun to watch. But it is Margot Robbie. It makes me sad to see her get get murdered in front That's of my true. eyes. That's true.
1: Ah, uh, she's with her good friend Leo, though again.
0: Yes, uh, she is. Though I don't, I don't see them having the same relationship they had in Wolf of Wall Street. Yeah, but you never know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is true. You know, Quentin Tarantino also does have a uh, a history of uh, changing history in his films, if, as you can tell by the end of Inglorious Bastards. So, who knows? Maybe uh Maybe she's murdering Manson at the end of the movie as a nice twist on history in Tarantino fashion. Wow. Who can guess?
1: Yeah. Lucky there.
0: I mean if if Hitler can be shot to death, just ripped to shreds by a machine gun in, in Inglorious Bastards, then you never know what can happen. Yeah. Nice table turn.
1: But yeah, it's uh like you said, it's just a it's a great addition to a wonderful cast already, and I think the hype the hype machine for this uh, movie is
0: definitely in full swing at this point. Yeah, I mean, this is oh, kind of shaping sure. up. This is kind of shaping up to be like Tarantino's just most anticipated movie in a long time. I mean, Hateful Eight kind of went under the radar. I felt like oh yeah, um, definitely it did for sure. You know, it another did, yeah. another western. I don't think they marketed it that much. The cast wise, you know, Sam Jackson's famous enough, but everyone else, Kurt Russell's kind of old and out of out of the spotlight these days and so they're filling up the cast I mean any Leo movie and Brad Pitt's going to get a lot of recognition but yeah this is uh I mean he's building up to what he claims is his last movie so this is I think second to la- I think this is his ninth movie unless I'm mistaken but he's claiming he's only making ten so he's ramping up to finish up his career even though I, d- I still don't believe that that he's only making ten movies so We'll see what happens. But,
2: Alexan, what do you make of all of this? See. Going along the same lines, you know, great cast. I I really, like, can't wait to see, hear more about this movie as time goes forward. As more stuff finalize finalizing. Like, you know, the inevitable first trailer that comes out. But I'm looking forward to it, you know. I, I love Quentin Tarantino films. I'm a great, huge fan of his. So, and also, I you bring up the fact that he likes to rewrite history. I like to see his take of this part of time in his only unique film universe. You know, he could do whatever he wants. And he said he shot Hitler, Hitler, so he can you know he's not against rewriting history how he sees fit. So interesting to see how he moves forward with this.
0: You know, on sure. a, on one hand, I I think it's hilarious, and I love that no because it's Quentin Tarantino that nobody i mean obviously some people did but the general audience just did not criticize him for like m- brutally murdering hitler in his movie which is it's just so funny to me because it's like usually people have a problem with butchering history like that but because it's Quentin Tarantino he can kind of just do whatever he wants and just kind of fuck around and have a good time because obviously like it's he's not historically accurate in his films why should he be that's silly um so i am excited to see how he changes this one up the biggest thing here is like i love margot robbie i'm excited she's in the film it's she's been uh she's been rumored for so long i kind of forgot she wasn't a final a final deal until i read this story to be honest um but for the most part i'm still just like waiting to see who they cast as charles manson yeah like that's yeah. gonna be such a big cast like out of anyone here, like yeah, obviously Leo is a huge get and so is Brad Pitt and so is Margot Robbie. But they're well, Margot Robbie's not, but Brad Pitt and Leo are kind of made up characters. Like casting Charles Manson is a is a big fill. Um and I'm really, really interested to see who they uh, cast for that. And he's got he wants to start filming this year, so we've got to hear about that very soon. Um and this just kind of this story just kind of reminded me that we haven't heard that yet. So very interested to see who they get for that. Uh, either of you have any uh, any ideas on who you might might want to cast for that role? Boy, I was just mulling that over. I, it's 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 odd because like the
1: physical part of it, like I, I think there's a lot of people that could nail his insanity. But you mm-hmm. know, he he does have a very unique look. So. And, you know, obviously everything can be assisted by makeup and all that, but he is kind of a, obviously he doesn't look like a Hollywood actor, (laughs) you know, he's Mm -hmm. a very, but I think, I mean, in the sixties, like in his day, I think that, that is how he attracted so many women to his cause. I think he was sort of a devilishly good looking guy at one point, but yeah, I mean, nobody, nobody just really comes to mind to me to, to, that fits that mold of, you know, insanity and like i don't know that's a it is it's a hard one to cast that's for sure because inevitably you're gonna overdo it you know i think it's hard to play him a little bit straight and practical like obviously he was a smart guy whatever you think of him like Mm -hmm. people people don't accomplish those sorts of things as horrible as they are they don't accomplish those sorts of things without a little bit of intelligence and wit so I think it's it's definitely an easy part to overplay and play to a bit, you know, overly psychotic. Like obviously he had a shred of sanity at one point, but yeah, that's a that's a difficult one. I'd have to think about that a little more.
0: Yeah, you know, I'm I'm looking at some of those pictures, and uh, this might this might be a little biased because I'm still. Thinking about uh, some of the previous year's movies and stuff, but I could honestly, after after watching Good Time, I could see Robert Pattinson playing Ooh, this
1: guy. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good one. You know, one. I he's got I like he's that. got
0: the he's got the good looks, and in Good Time, I could see he can clearly play unhinged. I like um, that. Yeah, I could see it. Uh, I like that a lot. Maybe he's a little too young, too young for that, but that not not even necessarily. And they can always age him up. Um, that'd be my first pick um but i'm sure i'm sure tarantino will find someone worthy oh uh, yeah who he cast he he, Cause d- that, he doesn't do bad because that's
1: out. the other thing i was trying to think of like uh like his stable of actors like people who usually do tarantino stuff but like uh you know i couldn't really think of anybody from that group that would have you know yeah, nailed uh, it
0: the only one maybe would be uh, uh walter goggins yeah, who was in Hateful Eight for him? I don't, I don't necessarily see it, but he can definitely play psycho. I mean, yeah, he <laughs> can play a crazy person well, so uh, he's a great actor. But uh, yeah, I mean, and depending on who he casts too, like if he gets someone that isn't in his staple or in his in his wheelhouse normally, like being in a Tarantino movie really launches your career up. So, oh yeah, that'd be pretty great. Um,
1: <laughs> Channing Tatum.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Channing Tatum wasn't hate played. I completely forgot about that, to be honest. He was completely forgot. He was only in like the last uh, the last act, right? Yeah, the like reveal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, the reveal act. The yeah. big reveal.
0: <laughs> you know, honestly, if he grew out a, a beard, longer hair, I I wouldn't be that shocked if he got cast as him either. To be honest, <laughs> he's a great actor, too. Yeah, um, he's a little too—he's a little too good-looking, though. He's like very chiseled and right. Like it, it, that might be a little not right for him. You got a little look, a little like home—not homeless, homeless, but a little more disheveled than that. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, he's so just too good-looking. Yeah, that is—that is the main problem. Like, if you look like a male model, then uh, it's a little hard to think of you as uh, Charles Manson, the crazy fucking murderer psycho man so but that's that's what acting's for so who knows he could probably pull it off acting (laughs) um so we got another another great film coming up here with uh with netflix once again this is our weekly netflix segment we got a couple weekly segments we got a black panther segment every week we got a netflix segment every week um and disney in general but uh, Dan Gilroy, the director of uh, Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal, and most recently, uh, J. Oh, boy. J. Esquire Israel. What's the name of the, that Denzel movie? Roman J. Israel Esquire. Roman. Roman there you J. Go. Israel Esquire. Um, he is doing his next movie with Netflix. It's uh, being classified as a horror thriller, starring. Jake Gyllenhaal, teaming back up with his Nightcrawler cohort. Uh, John Malkovich is within the cast, and Rene Russo is co-starring, who is also in Nightcrawler. So he's teaming up with a lot of the same people. Um, it is set for a 2018 release, actually. It's already in production. And uh, it uh, it's apparently... They haven't released many details about it, but it apparently is revolves around... Um, the art world and uh, high-valued art, when that meets commerce. So, uh, it was a weird description, but it's a bunch of rich people buying art. Somehow that's a horror thriller. I don't know how that works, but uh, I'm excited for the team-up. Jake Hall hasn't really done anything bad in a long time, um, and I haven't seen uh, the last movie, uh, Roman J. Israel, uh, but Nightcrawler is amazing, and Jake Gyllenhaal is always great. Um, and Denzel got nominated for an Oscar, so his last movie couldn't have been that bad, even though it didn't get great reviews. So this sounds awesome. I'm excited. What, uh, Alexan? What do you think?
2: Yeah, just you no know, piggyback kind of what you said. Like uh, the Jake Gyllenhaal, you know, he doesn't really do bad stuff. And uh, yeah, I, of course, huge fan of Nightcrawler as well. And I'm glad to see them work at together get on a project, as I was reading, you seem to be getting a lot of people from Nightcrawler on this upcoming Netflix movie. The the only thing that concerns me is it's a Netflix movie, so, you know, Netflix hasn't really nailed its movies in the past, but I'm hoping that it has all the the ingredients to be a great film. And uh, I don't know much to say other than that. I'm I'm really excited. I'm going to keep this on my radar to, like, really look to see more news coming forward and really make more final thoughts about it, but looking at just what we've given so far, I love the cast, I love Dan Gilroy. The only thing that's concerning me is Netflix, it's a Netflix movie, but you know, I have this it's it's only a matter of time before Netflix gets a hit for a movie. I feel like they're going to keep trying at until they do, and this might be the first one.
0: I mean, yeah. they've had hits, well, yeah, they've, they've had, had hits, hits, but they've know. just had more misses than hits. Um, yeah, but I mean, they had Mudbound this year, Oscar nominated. They had Beast of No Nation, but uh, no, I see, I see what you're saying though. Um, I definitely think this will be one of the, one of their good ones, Bozeman. What do you think?
1: Oh yeah, I agree. I'm very excited. Um, I hope that the majority of the film is just John Malkovich and Jake Gyllenhaal staring at each other intensely. I think they're. <laughs> <laughs> Two really great actors to cast against each other. I I hope they do have, like, an antagonistic relationship because they're just both so intense. Like, they can... uh, I'm just... I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, Dan, I think, is a good writer. Um, A good director as well, maybe. I guess we have to see. Like, I think he's only directed three times. He's written a lot more than he's directed. So... You know, I hope he—he he obviously got some great performances out of people in Nightcrawler, so I'm excited to see him. You know, give a shot at that again. But, um, yeah, I hope it's a—I hope it's a hit for Netflix and the kind of thing that keeps people subscribed and uh, an example of the quality content that they can put out in contrast to some of the clunkers.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's clunkers. Really, uh they have had quite a few clunkers quite a few clunkers recently um i'm pumped to hear this is coming out in 2018 though that's a big surprise they're already in production they're they're rolling with it film film uh, it up film away i hope it's great uh i think jake gyllenhaal was super super snubbed without an oscar nomination for nightcrawler I'm not saying he should have won but she got a nomination i mean nightcrawler was nightcrawler was amazing yeah. Jake gyllenhaal was top of his game already a great actor so uh yeah this could be this could be a good one uh the honestly the the storyline reminds me of um uh, what was it called uh that uh that uh, Danny Boyle movie with James McAvoy with the with the art dealer Trance oh yeah
1: Trance yeah Trance.
0: obviously very different because Trance dealt with like hypnotism and all that trippy nonsense boy I, f- your brain I forgot all, that, all about that Ah, I love that movie, man. Yeah. I have i I feel like everyone forgot about that movie, and I have seen that so many times. Yeah. Um, but I mean, high stakes art dealing. I don't know. That's the first thing I jump to. Obviously, it's not going to be that kind. I guess that was like kind of a trippy, twisty movie. But uh, yeah, high stakes art dealing, horror thriller. It'd be interesting to see how this how this pans yeah. out. Maybe a, um, what a, a haunted painting. Love Malkovich, though. So I, I hope Malkovich uses his uh, his uh, Russian accent from Rounders for the whole movie, because that cracks <laughs> me up. Always a, fa- always a fan of that. Um, all right, so we got a couple more stories here. This one, uh, this one, I don't know if we talked about this on a previous episode. I don't think we did, but uh, Deadpool 2 has had some advanced screenings. Um, a few weeks ago, a report came out uh, I think from one individual source that it was not good. Uh that it was really really bad, didn't have a plot, not funny. Um but more recently a couple more sources have come out that they've had two more advanced screenings and initial impressions have been great actually. Uh they're saying both uh, advanced screenings scored above a 90, 90 out of 100 obviously. Um a couple of them said it's it's fantastic, you know, if you're a fan of the first one you're going to love this one so we got conflicting reports it's obviously obviously all of it is take with a grain of salt because it's advanced screenings that nobody's supposed to be talking about to begin with um but it's one report versus uh a couple here saying that it's great um but uh what do you make of all this i i mean i'm obviously more inclined to hope it's on the good side but what do you think
1: yeah, I think I think we've talked about this before. There's a weird psychology about sequels, and this—I uh, don't—I don't even know how to phrase it because it just—I don't know. It just it does. It does seem like people just want to see things fail sometimes, and you have all these knee-jerk reactions that come out about sequels, and you know sometimes they're true, but and i think we we did talk about this last time we talked about deadpool it was such a breath of fresh air and so refreshing and such a new thing um that as a director and a creator you're stuck in a hard place of well you can't just do that again because you know then it's not original and fresh anymore but you also don't want to just kind of slip into a traditional action superhero movie because that's not what people come to deadpool for either so striking that balance between the conventional and the unconventional that balance was so perfect for the first one and now you have to do that again but you obviously can't do the exact same thing so that's obviously a huge challenge i hope they they did it well um you know i don't i don't like to talk about the quote-unquote haters but um you know they they might be out there they're certainly out there and putting out bad information or just you know I just think people people just don't digest as much as they should when it comes to film. It's such a complex medium with so many layers to properly reviewing and thinking about a film. Um, you know, I, I whenever you get the opportunity for an advanced screening or what have you, yeah, I'm certainly happy to hear your thoughts, but I don't think it's 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 right to just have this this reaction to it that it's, you know, it's horrible or it's the greatest thing in the world because the truth, you know, as more and more people see it, you're inevitably biased by other people's opinions. Um, You know, a fear of standing out too far in one direction or the other. Um, You know, things usually regress to the mean. They come to the middle. You realize that, you know, the films that you thought were the best thing in the world, second viewing a couple months later, maybe not so much the case. Things that were not so great, same thing. They probably come up a little bit in your opinion so yeah i think it it, it just needs time and, and sequels sequels especially because it's it's inborn bias right i mean that, for me when i see a film for the first time i like to know not much about it i like to be able to film form as full of a, opinion as i can but your situation in a sequel is that you've already seen an hour and a half to two hours of that thing and then you have to watch another dose of it basically and try to put the first one aside but also you need that because it makes the sequel make sense most of the time so you know balancing all those things and coming out the other side with it with a, a a good thoughtful opinion that's very difficult obviously that's kind of the name of the game so um i'm not surprised that there were reactions out there that were very negative and I'm also not surprised that a lot of people have now come back with a lot more positive things to say. So, um, obviously excited to see it for myself.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, before I go on over to you, Alexa, because I know you're a big, uh, big uh, Deadpool fan. Um, but uh, that's really, that's actually really interesting what you bring up about like kind of first reactions on advanced screenings, because um, I know personally I am also a culprit to that. Um, and I think everyone is like seeing something for the first time. So I try to like withhold too much judgment on things before I see it like a couple times. I mean, same with Last Jedi. You know, I talked about how much I loved it when I first saw it, but I kept emphasizing to people like, well, I need to see it a few more times before I decide its place in my Star Wars ranking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, uh, you know, I saw an advanced screening with Justice League. Um, and you know they just they get you pumped up, man. They came out there, and it was a, it was a secret screening, and they're like you're you know you're all here seeing Justice League, and everyone in the crowd went nuts, and they're all clapping and cheering, and it was just it was just a really fun atmosphere, and, uh, and you know I had a really good time watching the movie, and I've seen it again since, and I still don't think it's a a terrible movie by any means at all. I think it's entertaining, and I think it's better than previous dc movies but it's not a good movie and uh my reviews that i maybe sent out to some friends and family and stuff probably didn't represent how it actually was as a movie um so i think that probably does happen a lot in early reviews and um i think another problem is you know this uh this first report that came out it was one guy i mean it was one report you can have the best movie in the world i uh, and in early screenings, there's gonna be one, two, three, a handful of people that hate that movie. There's no universally loved movie that doesn't exist. Um, but at the same time, these good ones coming out on this new screening can also go either way. Um, that's why I advance screenings. I don't take a, I don't take a lot of stock in. Um, we've we've talked about it before aquaman had fantastic early screening reviews um even though the movie doesn't come out till december uh but it happens all the time i mean batman vs superman had early screenings and all the twitter responses were like this movie's amazing it's it's a it's the best dc movie yet and batman vs superman was kind of terrible um so it's hard to judge i uh I just, at this point, since I've heard kind of conflicting reports, I was a little disheartened from the first uh, report that I heard that it was bad uh, because because of the switch in director. I was kind of like, oh, shit, they, they probably fucked up. Like That's probably why Tim Miller left um, and got disheartened. But now that I'm hearing good things, I'm kind of back on the boat where it's just like, well, this is probably a case of if you like the first one, you'll like the second one. Or, like, I trust Ryan Reynolds to not make a bad Deadpool movie because right. he's so passionate about that character um what do you make of all of this Alexan? what do you what do you think about these conflicting
2: reports here yeah so after you know he's that first initial bad review and he's positive i'm gonna not hold my judgment off but i'm gonna wait till i see the movie i think the movie's gonna be what could be a good film just i'm putting some blind faith in it just based off the first couple film seen, like I said this before, and I really do believe this is like one of the most accurate description of a comic character you've seen in the films. Like he's taken, like in the movie, right out the comics, and seeing how Robinos really seemed to care about this project and how he he pushed for this for so many years. I think he wouldn't do like a bad sequel. And going into the Bozeman, you're talking about how like you know that whole issue with a lot of sequels, how they don't do as good. I looking at the characters they brought into Deadpool too. I think that was their solution to it, like bringing in Cable, a major comic book figure who hasn't been seen the movies yet and I know that people wanted to see him for a long time but wanted to see Cable in the movie and Depple's a perfect way to show him because he's a kind of like an R-rated movie type place, It's a very dark gritty time, like history timeline that he's in and he comes back and he's a dark gritty character, you know he's very violent, gruesome person and I wouldn't really fit in like a normal like you know MCU Marvel Universe film mm-hmm. so look looking for it, I think they 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 have the right parts to have a good Deadpool sequel like mm-hmm. the first Deadpool really it kind of focused on Deadpool in the story he was like the only major character that you saw and even from the comics <clears> talking <throat> to X-Men and other like Colossus and other characters was pretty minimal and like the whole storyline I feel like this storyline will. Rely he- more heavily on the comic book references and the comic book character storylines rather than, like, you know, just seeing Ryan Reynolds' as devil for the first time. So I- I'm hoping that that combats that whole sequel issue. And I'm more blindfolded, but I think they-, they did a good job. I will, you know, hold my final judgment until, of course, start seeing the movie. But I wasn't too much swayed by the first initial bad reviews. And I am getting a little happy that the other reviews coming back are positive and i know it could be kind of scary like you said jonathan how you get caught up in the feelings and like the first week is somebody who just hated deadpool and saw it and to hate deadpool too and other ones could be like people who just like caught up in the emotions of everybody else in the movie being excited to see it and being in a early screening and such but i think it would be a good film i, I think it has the right mixture and i think they they captured it already and they know how to capture it again so to speak you know i think you know we get into the realm of like comic book films and people knowing how to present them on film and knowing how to actively adapt comic book storylines into a, a movie yeah i'm just uh you know at this
0: point i'm just trusting ryan reynolds he's the one that got the first movie off the ground like i think tim miller the director was great but i think ryan reynolds really ran that train um so i'm just trusting him to keep it going and uh Stay true to the character, and uh, I, I don't, I don't think he would have um, allowed bad decisions, too many bad decisions to be made. So I think it'll be good. But going off what you're saying about keeping the sequel a little fresh, that is something they're gonna have to. Uh, I mean, at this point, it's too late. But they're, they, I'm sure they dealt with in the movie is that a big part of the first one was just kind of the like, shock value of Deadpool as a character. Um, yeah. Which I think made them a lot of money because people were just like, oh, this is a superhero movie, but uh, he talks to the audience, he cusses, it's it's bloody, it's crazy.
2: Um, it was just different. It was, it was yeah, a different so the shock, super, the the shock value Superman is gone. Like so long.
0: Yeah, so uh, with the shock value being gone, I think they know they had to twist things up a little bit, and uh, maybe that's where the first uh, report, his problems came from. They did twist things up. They did change things up and he didn't like it, everyone else is taking to it. I don't know. We'll see. I, uh, I, I'm i still excited for it. It doesn't it doesn't change my excitement for this movie in the slightest. I'll still be seeing it opening weekend. So, And uh, a general audience I don't think are looking at these, uh, these early responses from random critics, so I don't think it will affect the movie in the slightest. If it comes out, gets decent reviews, I think people are going to go see it.
1: Yeah, it's it's a can't miss. What are you you're just gonna not see Deadpool too? I mean, come
0: on. Ryan Reynolds is just <laughs> too—he's uh, he's too magnetic for people to just refuse to go see. He's just it. too talented. Yeah, he would yeah. be a fool. Yeah, you would be a fool. All right. Well, we are—we've got our last story here, and this I—I I saved this one for last because oof, I am excited for this one. But oh we have boy! A, yeah. We have a magical world ahead of us. Da 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 da
2: da da.
0: That's Harry Potter, if you don't trust my my uh, singing abilities. But Fantastic Beasts 2, not titled that, Crimes of Grindelwald, uh, released their first trailer today, and it is amazing. Um, I did have, I you know, I, I have my criticisms of Harry Potter, because I am an intense, intense Harry Potter fan. But... I I loved it. Before I get to my judgments of it and everything, I did love the trailer. I thought it was incredible. I think the movie looks infinitely better than the first one, even though I really liked the first one for what it was. Um uh, but let me get your guys' thoughts. Alexon. what did what did you think of this
2: trailer? I thought it was good. Um I'm I think I'll say I'm the least Harry Potter fan out of the three of us. I like I'm a fan of Harry Potter, but I'm not as an active huge fan, as I think you guys are, but to know that I haven't read the book, so I know too much of the background, I saw the movies, but it looked good. I uh, I like the kind of feel, I, this whole new, I guess, Fantastic Beast storyline going through. I like I like the young um, Dumbledore. I, I wish we saw some more of, um, was it Grizzlewald? That's, that's how you pronounce his name? Grindelwald. Grunderwall, yeah. I hope, I want to see a little bit more, but you, know, mm-hmm. I think they kind of maybe you know, keeping that for the film. But I like it. I seem like, this, I think this is going to be a much darker tone. I'm kind of liking how they're going with with this, you know, getting more into, like, the dark arts, you know, the darker side of the magic. And I'm, it seems like they're really exploring more of the lore of Harry Potter, seeing the more, the different areas and, like, outside of what you're seeing. So far. Also going back to, you know, Hogwarts and some of the original you know set pieces and such so we're excited to see this moving forward
1: yeah uh
0: you know you really touched on a lot of a lot of things i'm very very excited for um darker tone in particular um and i do i do really want to see more grindelwald but i at this point the first teaser trailer i understand why they held off on that um but, uh, but from what, what we did see, he does look a lot better than he did in the first Fantastic Beast, Because uh, I, I couldn't get over how silly Johnny Depp looked in the first one when he transformed <laughs> into Grindelwald. I mean, the, the mustache, and he was kind of... I don't know, he just looked silly, and he looked like Johnny Depp being crazy with white hair. This one, he looks more like an actual character. Um, Bozeman, how would you feel about this trailer?
1: uh yeah r- right on i mean i think it's it's a lot like star wars like there's just a limitless well of material and timeline to explore and you know if if this is the prequel trilogy version of the harry potter universe then i mean wow what a treat you know this is if you're going to compare this to attack of the clones and yeah we're we're in for a treat like this is obviously going to be a very enjoyable movie with some really nice plot i think to it as well i'm i'm I think this is probably the first, like, expanded universe type movie I've seen in a while where I'm actually maybe a little more excited for the narrative uh, portions of it than just the action or the spectacle. I mean, I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just really excited to see this unfold a little more. Uh, Jude Law looks like a really engaging, fun version of Dumbledore that I can get down with. Uh, I've always enjoyed Jude Law and his performances, and mm-hmm. this looks like another good one, um, uh, you know. I'm interested to see how Newt comes back as, um, I don't I won't say maybe not the main character, I think it's a little too early to say that, but i just interested to see where his story goes, um, and uh, yeah, Grindelwald, I, I agree, I, I was a little off-put by him in the, the first one, um, just by Johnny Depp in general, I just thought it was kind of an odd choice, um, mm-hmm cuz like Grindelwald is like I don't even know like a good way like cuz like if if Voldemort was like Osama bin Laden like a like a terrorist like a like Grindelwald like Hitler like that's how I always pictured mm-hmm. him like just the worst person ever and it's just it's a lot like Star Wars like you have you have this incredible power this incredible gift and if you truly give it over to yourself to be evil with it then wow i mean you can do some pretty horrifying things to people and i always thought that that's kind of what grindelwald is supposed to be and i definitely did not really get that in the initial depiction of him but it does look like maybe we're going in that direction um and again i always understand like this is ultimately like a children's story but like there are there is a lot of potential for some really grisly fun things to explore um in the wizarding world and uh yeah just very happy to see the next chapter of it
0: well uh just real quick i don't think it is a children's story any longer to be honest um i think harry potter evolved into i mean by the seventh book even the sixth sixth and seventh book and definitely by the movies it's really no longer a children's story if yeah, well, like think about Would you what's say
1: happening. like like young adult then like a Hunger Games? Yeah, young young adult for sure. Runner. runner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's I guess that, that's, young, that's what I meant.
0: Yeah, young adult. Um but the, I mean the 7th book It just got so dark and so violent. Right, and right. So did the so do the movies obviously and I think they're kind of continuing that like they could have backtracked and made it more like if you compare like the first Harry like Sorcerer's Stone to the first Fantastic Beast like yeah, Fantastic Beasts had some fun in it, but it also had some pretty dark stuff. Like, I mean, the, the um, I forget his name, but the one character with that, um, uh, the Obscurus that had that, like, darkness inside him. I mean, he's, like, killing family members and yeah, he's getting yeah. ab- abused by his uh, adopted mother. Um, there's some dark stuff. Uh, but let me preface this by saying I, I do have. I do have a bit of a rant because I have a lot of, I have a lot of things to point out about this trailer. Because I'm very, I'm very excited. As I start at the start of this episode, my three great loves, Harry Potter, Star Wars, and Spider-Man. And I haven't had a Harry Potter topic to discuss in a long time. Um, but feel free to jump in whenever because I'm going to jump through some topics here. Oh, I'll but, jump. Uh, oh, jump in, buddy. Jump in. <laughs> it, it split things up. But to start off, Number one, start of the trailer, we're back at fucking Hogwarts. Oh, yeah. We're at Hogwarts. And I have had no, yeah. I have not been so excited by a trailer in so long. The moment I, like, the shot I saw those first few towers, like, that's Hogwarts. Oh. That's what's happening right now.
1: The castle. Oh.
0: It's oh, happening. Boy. Yeah, we, we're back. We're back in Hogwarts. Um, these wizards apparated into Hogwarts. That's goes against what I know about Hogwarts, but it's the past, so maybe these protections of apparating in and out are non-existent anymore. Sorry if you're not a Harry Potter fan and you're listening and don't know what the fuck I'm talking about, but Well well that I think uh, a, I think that makes a, a lot of sense because that was probably protection against
1: the terrorism that's about to ensue, you know.
0: Yeah, I'd I'd assume this is pre-Grindelwald craziness, pre-Voldemort obviously. I kind of uh my uh, canon story in my mind is that none of those protections existed while Dumbledore was not headmaster, right? Which he's not in these. Um,
1: but uh, Jude the world, he... then much safer. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: Jude Law looks amazing as Dumbledore. I think he looks right. great. I think he's. Uh, I think he's hitting all the right notes. Um, we clearly didn't see a lot of him, but. I mean, Dumbledore's an eccentric guy, and Jude Law is kind of the perfect guy to do that as a younger version and much younger. I mean, this is like the, I, I mean, the first one was nineteen twenties. I'm assuming this one is still nineteen twenties or early nineteen thirties. So yeah, very young Dumbledore. Um, I love, I, uh, I love it.
1: his clear disdain for authority
0: is still on display.
1: <laughs> That's got to be oh, a part yeah. of it it's for the ministry. Got to be a
0: part of it. Yeah, he's always hated that. Um. You know, and the big the big Dumbledore thing that I see from this trailer is it actually goes into one criticism criticism I have, but uh he's you know, he's talking to Newton at the end of the trailer he says um you know, I can't I can't face Grindelwald so you have to um mm-hmm. And Dumbledore Dumbledore is not like this saint character which a lot of people think he is. He, yeah. he he manipulates people and he uses people and he did that with Harry and they they actually went into that very deeply in the 7th book that Dumbledore like really uses Harry for his own gain for the the good of the world but still like kind of sacrificing Harry's well-being. Yeah. And it looks like he's still up to those kind of shenanigans like
1: Right, that's the he, origin of that old trick.
0: Yeah, so I'm glad to see they're still, like, not making Dumbledore just this, like, saintly figure. And just, like, he's using Newt, who's clearly going to put himself into, like, life-threatening situations to fight on Dumbledore's behalf. Um, so I think it looks like they're going to stick to that aspect of Dumbledore, which J.K. Rowling, like, really dug into in the seventh book of making Dumbledore not... This this all well-being saintly figure So I'm excited about that Because he is a complicated character And I think they should expand on that um, But that brings me to the fact that I do th- I am a little concerned about them Shoehorning Newt into this story Yes I, I love Fantastic Beasts I thought it was a really good movie But... Once they decided to make this a Dumbledore vs. Grindelwald story, because it's going to be five movies total, that's their plan. Five movies, which is that's a huge series. I mean, most giant epics, Lord of the Rings, is three movies, and that's a crazy epic story. Um, it's going to be five. Once they decided that, they they need to transition from Newt away from Newt to making Dumbledore the main character. Um, maybe this movie does that, but there's that scene where, where Dumbledore does say, you know, I can't fight Grindelwald, you have to do it for me. Uh, and I'm a little concerned they're forcing Newt into this whole series. Hopefully it's not all five movies, because I think they had different intentions with the first one. I think they wrote, I think J.K. Rowling wrote the first movie. Originally when it was conceived, I believe it was a trilogy. Um, the idea was a trilogy. And she wrote this movie, but then I think Warner Brothers was like, all right, fuck it, let's make it five movies. And maybe then she decided to make it a Dumbledore vs. Grindelwald story, which people that read the books know about. Um, but I think that causes problems. I don't think Newt needs to stay the main character. I think it doesn't make sense for him to stay the main character. Right. Because unlike Harry Potter, who had that connection to Voldemort, which obviously was why he was the main character of this story newt's like just this random outsider that loves animals that is all of a sudden thrust into this like world ending situation right he's not it's he's silly. really
1: not a particularly great wizard or anything you
0: know he he's no, good at, he's like, good at
1: what he's good at but he's not this he's not like an or or anything
0: no, he's 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 friends with Dumbledore and a student that Dumbledore really liked. That's essentially what it comes down to. He is a student that Dumbledore was fond of. But yeah, he's not super talented. He has no connection to Grindelwald. And it just it just seems like he's being shoehorned in. That's my that's my only concern right now. I'm hoping they're going to use this movie to transition to Jude Law and Dumbledore being the main character for the last 3. Because if this is really going to build up to a Dumbledore versus Grindelwald like epic story, it's absurd if they keep shoehorning Newt into it. it yeah, it'll, be, it'll just be so silly. And by yeah. by
1: extension, I saw the other Americans that were in the trailer from the first one. Uh, you know what? What could possibly be their, their deal? Is like, is Kowalski really going to be in the fifth one? Like, come on! Uh, like, yeah. he—he's a very likable character, but he really could have been left in the first movie. That—that that seemed to have wrapped itself up pretty well. I don't think that we need to. Yeah,
0: he—I mean, he was great in the first. The well,
1: which is also his story. At the is,
2: end. Sorry, go ahead, Alexon. No, I was just joking. I said he's the epic hero that comes out at the end. That's, That's right. He's—he's
0: he's the Neville Longbottom, I guess. <laughs>
2: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Well, and, you know, his ending to the first one also kind of makes me think that that script was well finalized before they decided. And it, I I think it was, because it was originally announced as a possible trilogy when it got expanded. So I'm sure that script was final. I'm sure they had different plans. And then, uh, you know, they had their talks and they're like, well, you know, DC's terrible right now, so let's expand Harry Potter into five movies. Uh, but... Maybe, uh, I think they just need to take this movie to transition away from... I'm fine with uh, Kowalski being in this movie if it's a transition period to Dumbledore taking over the franchise. Right. But if they keep these characters, if they keep Kowalski, if they keep Newt into these these sequels... I mean, they can keep them in if they're, if they're minor characters. Like, Kowalski can be a comedic relief character, fine. Like, there's plenty of that in Harry Potter. But... If they stay the main characters, that's really going to spoil this storyline because, I mean, this is a storyline Harry Potter fans and book fans have wanted for a long time. I mean. It's surreal. It was, it's almost surreal that we're getting it at all in any way. Yeah, any I, I never form. I never expected to get it. I mean, they talked about it in the seventh book, like Dumbledore's biggest adversary was Grindelwald and that whole thing. And, uh, you know, and especially with, like, Dumbledore's sister got killed And he never wanted to face Grindelwald Because he didn't want to find out who actually killed her in that duel That's, like, that is really, really good material For some character development for Dumbledore and Grindelwald going forward But if they shoehorn Newt in the middle of that Like, that just kind of ruins the tension It ruins the drama <laughs> for all those characters Right. It doesn't make any sense I because um, he's
1: so he's just such a charming and befuddled guy you know he's he's almost yeah, like autistic know, really like he doesn't really belong in these like epic situations which actually
0: a lot a lot of people thought that was the point they were trying to make in the first one that he was autistic actually. yeah <laughs> um so I I'm I'm holding off judgment to see what they do with his character because based on this trailer I I am I do think the trailer is great um because the other big thing is, I think the first one, I really like the first one, Fantastic Beasts. Um, Where did Mostly find them? for it expanding uh, the overall Harry Potter universe, which I think, obviously, any future movies, that's the perfect thing to do. Because um, we were so kind of secluded in Hogwarts in the original Harry Potter. Uh, so, and he's moving to Paris in this one. So like keep expanding the world, keep expanding the overall wizarding world, and that's a that's the perfect thing to do. So I'm excited about that. I think Jude Law looks great. Um, as we talked earlier, I think Grindelwald looks better than he did in the first one. Um, so I'm excited. I'm excited. We'll see. Grindelwald. We'll we'll see what happens. We got four no three more after this one. So you think we could see a a young mcgonagall somewhere in this uh
1: five movies
0: yeah well you know based on what i know of her character i think this is too early a little too early huh um because dumbledore dumbledore's super old because he he dealt with the uh, sorcerer's stone for a while he's older than he should be
1: yeah well like Um, yeah i guess in the nine, like he's already
0: in his 40s or so in this In the twenties, and and this is like nineteen twenties. Yeah, so that's another seventy years. Regular age, so she hasn't been born yet. Yeah,
1: she's still pretty old in the nineties, though, or
0: maybe just got born. Right, 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 right. Like a yeah. Um, but the uh, I mean, rumor has it the future sequels, uh, based on the book, and when he when Dumbledore fights Grindelwald, that's way down the road. So these future movies should. Yeah, so these future movies should have pretty significant time gaps. So. Right. Maybe maybe in future movies. I mean I'm sh- hopefully they start doing this time gap and we can explore different eras of the Harry Potter world. Oh, here awesome. here's right. one uh John Boyega as a young Kingsley Shacklebolt. Now, you may joke, but that would be amazing. Yeah. It sounds great. That sounds amazing, but that's the perfect reason to transition to Dumbledore being the main character too. Like, if we're gonna jump through different eras. Yeah, he's—I mean, he's fighting Grindelwald through this whole time, so he's the one to jump through eras. Like, Newt's not gonna, Newt's not touching the Sorcerer Stone. Newt's not staying immortal. Like, there's no reason to keep him around. He's writing his book, and that's that's it. Yeah, I guess we'll uh, probably have for. to see Nicholas Flamel at some point too. I yeah I, I would not be surprised if he he has to pop into the story in futures in future movies for sure especially if they're gonna start spanning ah oh, so exciting spanning the eras um yeah I, this just this movie's gonna just open up a lot of a lot of fun history on Harry Potter so and J.K. Rowling's writing the screenplays so I also still have faith that she's gonna do it properly I mean she yeah. loves that world she does not she does not uh.
2: uh Phone it in at all. So, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for them to start taking some lib- like liberties and going off in this story, as like you guys are talking about. Really covering some of the other stuff that they covered in like the Harry Potter books and some of these darker themes and such, you know, going on in these movies. It's really exciting. You know, me being a, a, a Harry Potter fan, but not knowing much about it, I kind of go in more like blind about it. I, I'm, I'm really excited to see how they move forward with these. Going on with like we said, five films they're doing for the Fantastic Beast storyline. You know,
0: mm.
2: it's all all good stuff. You know, I really want to see, excited to see more stuff. Definitely going to see this movie when it comes out. I know as you will, you guys will as also. Undoubtedly, oh. trust me. I would.
0: yeah can't <laughs> can't miss. Um, yeah, man. I think this is kind of like obviously Harry Potter had you know seven, well, eight movies um, compared to like star Wars, but I still think this is kind of like similar to like after the first, uh, original trilogy of star Wars where it's like, now it's opened up to them doing so many different storylines and like really expanding this universe. Yeah. Same kind of thing. Like we're talking about with like John Favreau's TV show where they can like, they can go to this time era, this time era, do that, this and that. And this, these, this movie series can do a lot to expand that universe, which I hope they take advantage of. Yeah. Um, We'll see because, yeah, the, I mean, the original Harry Potter story was pretty condensed into Harry's struggles and Hogwarts. Um, it did not expand to the outer world that often. So that's what it seems like they're doing since he's, you know, going to Paris and they're saying that it's going to be in a different city for every movie or something like that. Um, so we'll see. It's exciting stuff.
1: Now we just got to get a Quidditch through the Ages movie.
0: Yeah, man, get me an get me an intense, uh, intense sports motivational movie about Quidditch. Yeah, that's all we need. Like a like Mark, England's Mark Hero- Wahlberg, invincible style.
1: Yeah, like England's heroic 1885 World Cup win in Quidditch. Dude, you know the
0: <laughs> crazy thing is, they could actually make a really good movie off of that. Yeah, like all the all the good inspirational sports movies are always based off true events. So just take what's so inspirational about those stories make it Quidditch people will love it
1: oh uh, yeah yeah Quidditch is hugely popular on college campuses yeah. at least and it's awesome
0: and it's so and it's so fucking fun to watch so yeah in fictional universes so just uh just make me a movie I'll yeah. be okay with it I played the video sure. game for Christ's sake like everyone wants more Quidditch yeah
1: you can even like take a shred of real history like there was a back in the I think it was the 50s there was a plane crash that killed an english soccer team and uh you know like they came back to that from that to like win the league title a couple years later like you know something inspirational like that like some sort of dragon attack like they're all killed by a dragon at quidditch practice and (laughs) then the the shreds of the team like recover to win the world cup or something you know yeah it could be great
0: (laughs) yeah i i I like it i'd be on board with a movie for that um well, that is uh, that is our last story for the day. So unless you guys have uh, anything else to plug, anything you've been watching recently, anything to add?
1: Yeah, I just have a very uh, stern warning to anyone that was considering watching Mute on Netflix. Just don't. Uh, you can't get that uh, time in your life back. So just go, go and read a book, go take a walk, go look at the birds, go eat a nice hamburger, anything really. Just don't do it. Don't waste your time. I did it for you.
0: That's a good warning, and I'm going to take that to heart because I'm not going to watch Mute anymore. That's just pointless.
1: I can't get Um. into it. It's just going to piss me off. (laughs)
0: Uh, I'll plug on the opposite end. I finally saw Annihilation, and I think you should go give that movie some money and go see it in theaters. Um. I think it's I think it's worth the ticket price and worth seeing on the big screen. So I'd love to do an check in depth
1: it on that someday.
0: Yeah, maybe we will. Uh, we'll get Alexa to watch it, uh, check it out, and then we'll. Uh, I promised an in depth on it, so I think at some point we have to. We backed out of that yeah. promise.
2: But, yeah, uh, yeah. I was looking up times earlier, and it's just it's impossible to have a for tomorrow. They to have a showing. At it's like impossible. P. M. And another one at ten fifty four p.m. I'm like, what, what am I supposed to see that? Come on, I hear something like at a relative afternoon I can go those see. Those this ranges ridiculous. are. A bit I can't absurd. make any of those I'm times.
1: And <laughs> yeah, we could do a, yeah. uh, like a nice compare and contrast with Arrival and Annihilation, perhaps that'd be nice.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, it is kind of in the same vein as Crazy Sci-Fi, even though uh, Annihilation is more of an acid trip.
1: Yes. Uh, yes. Yeah, uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. We can't. <laughs> we can't get into it, but.
0: Um, yeah all right well uh so uh yeah that'll about do it for our episode this week um as i said we are still working on oh we're working on getting this grand admirals table episode up um at this point it's gonna it's gonna be a long grand admirals table episode because we're gonna have a shitload of star wars tales to tell could be 10 hours uh, it really could be. It keeps adding up every week. We keep getting great Star Wars news. We're gonna go in depth on all of this. So just be prepared. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, be prepared. It'll be great. Um, but we're gonna, we're gonna t- talk it'll... about
1: the uh, Salacious B Crumb spinoff that's in the works.
0: <laughs> I think that's in the works, but it's a fan project because we are all personally, personally making this, uh, this spinoff, which would be great. <laughs> Uh, Oh boy. Very invested in the history (laughs) of Salacious B (laughs) chrome. Oh boy. Uh but uh yeah, so we'll uh we'll catch you next week then. That'll about do it. Thank you. All right. See you guys next week.